And the thing is, after all these years, I still look back with wonder. Hey there, Wonderlings. Angela Bowen here, the host of Looking Back at My Wonder Years and Wonder Years Podcast. Well, we've made it to the final season of The Wonder Years, Season 6, Episode 1. And let me tell you, this is a heart-wrenching episode. It really, really is. The episode, of course, which I'm talking about is Season 6, Episode 1, entitled Homecoming. This episode aired, Season 6 premiered, on September 23rd, 1992. Ten years later, I'd start at Hollywood Video, where I would later meet my husband. As homecoming season approaches at high school, Kevin's now starting his junior year, Kevin contends with the local high school rivalries. Meanwhile, Wayne's friend Wart comes back from Vietnam. And we just saw in last season, in season five, him leaving to go to Vietnam. So, a year has passed. My guess is something must have happened. Because they don't just, I don't think they just, I mean, was he back on visit or was he completely done with his service? I don't know if we find out. We might. But, um... Yeah, Wart is a picture of a broken man in this. He hides his facade behind a goofy smile, but in the end, we really see that shell crack. This episode has an 8.8 .8 out of 10 rating on IMDb, based on 149 ratings. This episode was directed by Michael Dinner. By, it was written by writers Neil Marlins and Carol Black, who are the creators, and Bob Brush, this episode was written by. So we got a little trivia for this episode. The sixth season features a complete overhaul in the opening credits. I think I mentioned before, I am not a fan at all of the season six credits. They suck. And that's me being nice about it. I really don't like it. As no longer are images shown of the cast members. Exactly. Why not? Instead, famous pictures from that era are shown as the actors' names are listed. Olivia Diabo's Karen Arnold's name is also removed from the opening credits as of this episode. The only change in the main cast during the six shows uh, during the show's six-year run. Karen was out, you guys. You know, she got married. She moved to Alaska with Michael. As you heard when I did the series finale episode, she had a baby boy in September of 1973. Because Kevin starts his junior year September of 72. So they would have had to have gotten to Christmas. Then Kevin would have started his senior year the fall of 1973, then he would have graduated in 74. And then Jack would have graduated, passed away. Kevin says, what was it, two years later. So he would have passed away after Kevin, just after he graduates high school or that first year of college, I'm trying to guess. 
Oh, there's my lunch. I'll be back in a second. So season six, episode one, is also the episode where we are introduced to a new character, Kevin's friend Jeff, who is played by Giovanni Ribisi. Ribisi? Yeah. And we do actually get an episode that is kind of dedicated to uh, Jeff a little bit, where Kevin has to help him out. Um, at the end of this episode, I will kind of do a rundown of what to expect for the rest of the season. I only have 16 episodes of season 6 that I'll be reviewing because I've reviewed other episodes and previous podcast episodes. Um, also, you know, summer, during June 21st, and you had the 4th of July episode. Also, um, Kevin Delivers, Sex and Economics. Those were done during the job segment of the Wonder Years. You also had New Year's, Christmas stuff like that, so that's been done. So, just the remaining 16, well, 15 after today's episode. So, I got the booklet here. I'm going to do a little rundown on that. Here we go, here we go. Uh, homecoming. Here is the description from the booklet. Wayne's friend Wart returns home from Vietnam a changed man. Struggling to readjust during the homecoming football game. Featured song, Cherish, by the Association. And here's a quote from Wart. Nothing seems to fit anymore. I can't do it how he says it, guys, but it is soul-crushing, just him breaking down in front of Wayne like that. And here's a little note from uh, Bob Rush, executive producer and episode writer. There is always this encompassing sense that the world was problematical and a little bit dangerous and changing, always changing. And those things were played. Wayne wanting to join the army, Wart going off and coming back after his first stint in Vietnam. Okay, so it was a stint in Vietnam, gotcha. They were always there, and I think they provide a basis and the grounding and the reality to the show. So it's not just Little Rascals. Really, I mean, if you think about it, we've known Wart and Wayne. They're like the Goober Brothers. They're goofballs. You know, there's never took anything seriously. Especially, I mean, we meet Wart in Season 5, Episode 1. So we've known him for a, what feels like, you know, a full season. And he just always has a goofy grin. He's constantly repeating, you know, what Wayne's saying and everything. So... Yeah, this is just, this is Wart 2.0. This is Wart as a changed man. This booklet, description of this episode, is a hell of a lot better than the one, of course, on IMDb. I gotta say that. So before I get into the opening quote for this episode, I just want to let you know, you know, welcome you. If you're a new listener for the first time jumping into this podcast, welcome, welcome. I hope you enjoy it. If you're a regular person, thank you for continuing to come along with me on this journey. It's been a great wild ride for the last almost not quite year and a half yet, but I have had a lot of fun. You know, I've, yeah, it's, it's almost been a year and a half spending it with the Arnold family from seasons one through now six and doing, you know, themed episodes and, and, and. 
holiday episodes. I I love this. This is going to be so sad to leave this behind. But with 16 episodes, this will run the course of 2018. So, guys, I am going to be so sad to leave this family behind. I love them so, so much. But as I said before, you know, if you're a regular listener, if you haven't yet, I would love it if you would jump on iTunes and leave a review. That definitely helps out the podcast. It gets noticed by other people that are just discovering it. Also, if, if you're new, you know, if you, if you listen to an episode, if you like what you hear, definitely go on iTunes and leave a review. Um, also, if you want to connect with the podcast, I'm constantly putting either episode info or just fun stuff on the Instagram LBOM Wonder Years podcast page. Also, Facebook as well. Looking back on my Wonder Years and Wonder Years Facebook page. Been doing that. Um, along with, if you're a regular listener, you know this podcast feed is not just home to the Arnold family. We have the Owens family from Tea Time with Mr. Belvedere and Mr. Belvedere podcast. We have the Priors. Even though they've been, you know, out of the loop for a little bit, I will be getting into that a little bit here and there in 2019. Um, the Owens family, the Mr. Belvedere podcast will be coming back in 2019 in January. I'll probably be, I'll be starting season four doing maybe a couple episodes a month just to see how it goes. Um, if you guys want after season one of Silver Spoons, it's on Punky Brewster right now. I'm also sharing season one with you guys on the Wonder Years feed. If you want, I can continue on with that. If you're enjoying it, and continue on in 2019 with the rest of the series. That way you don't have to jump on the Punky Power podcast feed. I can do that for you. Um, other than that, uh, the Seavers, you've heard a few episodes of the Show Me That Smile Again, a Growing Pains podcast, which will be, the Seavers will be coming in, moving in, and as the Arnold family's moving out, it's, it's a transition. Um, with the Growing Pains podcast, I don't think I'm going to be doing every single episode. I do have a set list. But I will be doing as many as I can. There may be some that I'll skip over and come back to later. It just really depends. So that is going to be my main focus for 2019 and 2020 is going to be the Seaver family with Growing Pains podcast. And also doing a little more with the Mr. Belvedere podcast with season four. I have my select character episodes. And then we'll go on to, you know, season five and six, and then I'll probably go back through, like, seasons two and three and hit a few more episodes that I'd like to share. But other than that, all right, just wanted to get that out of the way. Let's jump into this episode with the opening quote, and then I will jump into covering season six, episode one, Homecoming. Narrator, adult Kevin. There was a road that ran near the edge of my town. Out where the suburbs were still farms, I used to go there, nights, that autumn of 1972. I was 16. I had a girl. I had a car. I had a job. I was full of night and life. I just wasn't ready to go home. 
That year, I traveled streets I'd never known before. I pushed against the limits of my suburban life. I had no idea exactly what lay ahead. All I knew was, I was running out of time. And I was gonna bust if something didn't happen. Soon. In 1972, the country was at war, with its armies, with its ideals, with itself. The dreams of the 60s were battling a new decade, and things were happening everywhere. Well, almost everywhere. Mr. Deeks, open your books to Chapter 6, Section 13, The Rise of Post-Agricultural Europe. Narrator, Adult Kevin. 11th grade, the no man's land of public education. And with that, we start season six. So, the episode opens with Kevin's narration, as I said. He's just driving the streets at night. You know, he's 16. He's contemplating... You know, what's ahead? He's going to be starting his junior year. And at that time, that is probably a time that you're just wondering, you know, you've been living in the suburban area your whole life. There's a whole great world out there that you haven't yet even discovered. And you're just, you know, wondering where you fit in the scheme of things. You know, your junior year, that's the last year before you start your senior year, which is your final year of high school, where you're making all your decisions. You're getting accepted to college. You're making, on the verge of making real adult life decisions, going to college, graduating, getting jobs, getting married, having children. So... It's just a lot of stuff to think that that's when you, I think, 16, 17, you start to really ponder those serious questions that have probably been dogging you for years. When you're like 12, 13, you really, all is on your mind is, you know, doing kid stuff. You really don't have the intellect to really comprehend even what's going to happen five years, you know, ten years down the future. But at 16, definitely, <laughs> you know, five years down the future or down the road, you're, you're, you're finishing up college most likely. You know, you're entering into the workforce and, and every, ten years down the road, you're probably married. You got your first child, your first house, your first mortgage. So, Yeah. I'm going to play this clip. Because we all know, guys, Kevin can, Daniel Stern can kick the narration for the show out of the park. He'll always do it better than me. There was a road that ran near the edge of my town, out where the suburbs were still farms. I used to go there nights, that autumn of 1972. I was 16. I had a girl. I had a car. I had a job. I was full of night and life. I just wasn't ready to go home. That year I traveled streets I'd never known before. I pushed against the limits of my suburban life. I had no idea exactly what lay ahead. All I knew was I was running out of time. Wow, guys, I was way wrong. I totally forgot 
because I don't think I really watched season six when it was airing. Um, so a lot of season six, some of season five. But season six definitely, I forgot. Season six has cold openings. I don't know when this started, whether season six started it. Because I'm like, oh yeah, they came out of the end. No, they didn't come out of the intro. That's the cold uh, open to set up the episode. You know, I remember when I got my license and I was driving all over the place, just, you know, driving the back roads and, the, you know, I lived in the country and everything like that. And I was like seven miles out of, you know, the nearest city, which was, you know, I lived in Lowell. And um, just co contemplating a lot of that. Guys, I was a big, big thinker, always constantly wondering what's ahead, what's five year, years, two years down the road, what's going to happen? So, I hate this cold, uh, this, this intro, I hate it, it sucks. I want to see the cast, I want to see pictures of them. Not some kid wearing glasses while Josh Saviano, Paul Pfeiffer's name pops up at the bottom. We just got, like, stuff that's going on, like, in the late 60s, the 70s, current events. It's like, I don't care. I, I want to see the cast. Oh, we do get to see the cast. We get to see a giant picture of Kevin's graduating class. Blech. So we get shots of, like, uh, Nixon and the Vietnam War footage and people protesting and just a lot of that stuff going on. I swear I've seen this teacher before. He teaches uh, Europe economics or something. I've seen him. And this guy's been in like 79 things all the way back to like the show Cheers. This uh, teacher. He was all, he's like these uh, one episode people. He was in an episode of Seinfeld, the baby shower episode. Oh. Oh, is the baby shower the one where George has got that stain on his shirt? Like, some lady spilled a drink on it. And he goes there with the shirt with the stain, hoping she'll notice and remember him. Yeah, I think that's it. Oh, wait, is that when the cable guys were, like, trying to install Jerry's cable? And they're, like, I don't know whether they're Russian, but they're big guys that were, like, eating the cake. And this is Elaine's friend that she showed... Throwing a baby shower for it, and the lady could not give two shits or even care about the fact that Elaine went to all this trouble. The only reason I wanted to look at that, because he looked like he's not the same guy that was one of the teachers in the movie Angela's Ashes. He just looked like him. And the only difference between that guy and the guy from Angela's Ashes is the guy that was the teacher in Angela's Ashes is dead. He died in 06, four years after, no wait, five years after the movie came out. Okay, anyway, back to... So, I think, yeah, this is where Kevin, he likes to be the jokester. He likes to be the funny guy. He likes to get a rise of the out of the, the classmates here. Chapter 6, Section 13. The Rise of Post-Agricultural Europe. 11th grade. The no-man's land of public education. Now... Who can tell me another name for this era? How about the Industrial Revolution? Oh, oh, uh, the Industrial Revolution? <laughs> Excellent. It was grim. In the war.
war between the Board of Education and the Class of 74, things had pretty much reached a standoff. Mr. Arnold? For most of us. How about you? Me? Not that I'd been neglecting my studies. I'd been studying a lot. Do you have anything to contribute? Uh, yeah. Sure. How much did you have in mind? I'd been studying to be a wise guy. I'll be expecting a ten-page report from you on Monday. Not very successfully. Right. So the teacher, of course, calls on Kevin to, like, do you have anything to contribute? Kevin pulls out his wallet and he's like, oh, yeah, how much you have in mind? You know, he's trying to be the class funny guy. And, of course, the teacher, this old man, is not amused. And he tells him, I expect a, I don't know, what do he say? Like a ten-page ten report on something? Like, yeah, it didn't work. How much money does Kevin really have in his wallet? That's my question, which is probably not much because he's a teenager. They burn through their money like... A stack of flapjacks, like free pancake day at IHOP. They burn through it. Boom, 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 boom. So class lets out, and he and Winnie, you know, they're dating. They're hot and heavy. Because they meet up with each other. Okay, no, they don't meet up with each other. Damn it, guys, I am sorry. What the hell's wrong with me? I'm just going to say it's because I woke up, like, an hour ago. But anyway, no. Kevin's walking, and he sees Paul, and he is kind of instructing some guys who are putting up a banner that says, Beat Central, Hang the Owls. Oh, owl lovers would be so angry by that picture. They really, it's an owl with a noose around its neck. Oh, that's not cool. I don't know, I think today that they would definitely have a problem with that banner. An owl with a noose around its neck? Yeah, that's animal cruelty. Come on, Paul. Were you the one that helped put that together? What's this about? Are you kidding? It's a homecoming game against the owls this weekend. It's only the biggest event of the whole year. Oh. Paul Pfeiffer. Class president, civic booster... Naturally, I was proud of it. Come on, Paul, loosen up. I mean, it's just a game. What's the big deal? What's the big deal? I'll tell you what the big deal is. It's those stupid owls. They stole our night. Which was true. It happened in broad daylight. A daring three o'clock raid. Winnie. 
Okay, so things have definitely changed. Um, Paul is the class president of high school of their class, and he works with the Civic Boosters. And the Knights are is the football team. Well, because at first I'm like, why is Kevin not into this? Because I thought he was talking about basketball. You know how Kevin was all about Bobby Riddle in season five with the basketball. I thought, well, he'd be more into it. No, they're talking about football, which I remember when Kevin, remember when Kevin tried out for the football team when he was, he wasn't in high school yet, but he was, uh, he ended up doing the, the soccer. Wait a minute. Was it? Yeah, in the soccer episode, because he tried out for football and they said he was too small or something. But, yeah, Kevin just, he's not into the athletics, that's not his deal. That's that's Paul's thing, so. But, I mean, Paul is the, the class president, so of course he's got to take part in a lot of the stuff. You know, organizing things. Turns out, Paul wants to retaliate against the Owls, that school's team that stole they took a boy who is a school mascot dressed in he's dressed up as a knight you know all metal grab him and throw him in a trunk and kevin's like oh what's the big deal can you just get a new one kevin they kidnapped a per they kidnapped a child well the guy's like 16 years but still they kidnapped a person and put him in the trunk they should be expelled. In today's world, those guys would be expelled and charged with assault. Or kidnapping or something. I know they would. So this is where we meet Jeff, played by Giovanni Rubisi. And he is actually, he's a new kid, as Kevin explains. And Kevin says he's the only kid that Kevin knew whose parents were divorced. We know how the divorce rates skyrockets in the 80s. This is 1972 still, so divorce was, it was a pretty new concept, at least in Kevin's eyes. So Paul looks at Jeff like, hey, are you going to uh, go to the football game, you know, support our team? And Jeff's like, well, I can't. I might be spending the weekend with my dad. And Paul's like, well, bring him along. Don't you think he'll, he'll want to go see a football game? And Jeff's like, well, if I do that, my mom will get upset, and then I'll end up having to eat cold meatloaf. And Paul, of course, he doesn't understand what the big deal is. And I love Jeff's response. He looks at Paul, he's like, well, you know, easy for you to say, your parents are still having sex. <laughs> I love how he's just out there with it. And Paul is just the horrified look. No teenager wants to even contemplate the idea that their parents are having sex. Adults don't even want to think of their parents, senior citizens, that are probably still having sex. Yes, we know that's how they created us, but we don't want to think of them doing things that we probably do with our spouses, with our significant others. It's just a gross, it's, ew, it's, it's, it's a gross concept. <laughs> I, I don't like thinking about it myself. So Paul is like definitely on the, we got to retaliate with them taking our night. We got to take their owl. They have a prized owl, which we'll learn about that later. But somebody 
calls Kevin's name and like, hey, it's Winnie. Okay, guys, I did jump ahead a bit. So this does happen where they're kind of walking and talking with each other. So I'm going to play the clip. It's beautiful. They're a couple. They're lovey-dovey. They're saying, oh, I missed you during this class. Oh, I missed you too during this class. Like, oh, it's so cute. It's so cute. <laughs> Winnie Cooper, the hair, the smile, the whole ball of wax. We did everything together. So can I give you a lift? Well, almost everything. Oh. Yeah. About the car. Look, I told you I didn't have a choice. Mr. Chong made me put it on if I wanted the delivery job. <laughs> my first taste of what they call the working man's blues not that i was complaining you understand so yeah they're they're walking to his car and she's saying how i thought about you in chemistry and he's like oh yeah i thought about you in biology yep chemistry and biology yep so of course he's like hey can i give you a lift and Winnie kind of like stops and she looks almost in horror and then she's like really creeped out Kevin, of course, we get a shot of his car, Grandpa Arnold's car that he gave to Kevin for, like, a buck. He sold to Kevin for a dollar. And it says, Chong's Chinese. And Winnie does not want to get in the car. Like, I don't, mm. And he's like, look, Mr. Chong said if I wanted the delivery job, I had to put this on my car. What are you going to do? So she's like, um, pick me up at the side entrance, okay? Like, yeah, I don't want people seeing me get into this vehicle, which probably smells like Chinese food. Because he's doing the Oh, man. That car has got to, like, really, really reek of, like, Chinese, which isn't bad when you first get it. But if he's always doing deliveries, that smell is going to perm not just permeate the air. It's going to soak into the seats and through that leather. You're never going to get that smell out of there. So now we get home and Jack's coming in from a hard day's work just like always. He hasn't gotten the furniture store yet. He saw it. Norcom. Norma, of course, is at the sink. She's probably like, peeling um, carrots, potatoes, something. Kevin, of course... Hanging out in the refrigerator. He's got the door. His arms resting on the top of the refrigerator door. Drinking the, the milk out of the carton. Like, buddy, you're, like, using up a lot of power. I'm surprised someone doesn't say, Kevin, can you please step out from the fridge, close the door. I mean, is it that hot in the house that you need to have the refrigerator cooling your butt? I don't think so. Into new digs in 
the basement. His own personal customized rat's nest. He was happy as a clam in mud. Well, I guess it's only three for dinner. No, actually, I gotta go. Go where? Out. Out? You know, out. I got things to do. What kind of things? Things, Dad. Well, then, drive carefully. Right, Dad. Don't get into trouble. Right, Dad. And be home by 11. There it was. The boundless trust of parents who loved me. Thanks. It was touching. Really. So yeah, Jack's coming through the door, you know, works lousy. Norman asks, hey, how'd it go? He's like, oh, lousy. And she's like, oh, well, that's good. You know, she hands him his drink. You know, just kind of like the pilot of every episode that he's come home from work. He's always got that drink in her hand to give to him to kind of, you know, calm him down. Man, maybe she, <laughs> and she's doing that like five days a week. Maybe that kind of contributed to his heart attack. I, I don't know. Maybe not. But while he is having a crap day, like he always does at Norcom, someone's having a bang-up day. Someone's having a great day as they bust through the door right after Jack. All smiles. It's Wayne. Dad got him a job at Norcom. Although it's in the mailroom, but, you know, who's going to complain? You start at the bottom. Work your way up. And, you know... I was talking to Jeremy last night about this, and I'm like, this is season six, the final season. We've only seen one Arnold Child graduate high school. That was Karen at the end of um, season three. She graduated high school. Wayne, he graduated, of course. Um, we hear about this, and... They gloss over it, like, oh, it's no big deal. He knew he graduated, barely. <laughs> they probably, the school just wanted to get him out of there. But, and the thing, what I was mentioning with Jeremy was, if they'd have gone one more season, just one more, finish up Kevin's senior year, have him graduate, go, you know, head off the, the ending series finale could be him getting in his car, driving away to college. That could have been the series finale. It could have been a great bookend. Of course, with the allegations of what went on behind the scenes of, suppose, you know, sexual harassment dealy. Um, if that's why the show had to do a quick, like, last-minute rewrite, make it the series, series finale and not the season finale. But, um... I'm not going to waste too much time getting into that, but um, apparently, you know, like I said, Wayne's working, mailroom, Norcom, great, 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 and he's kind of doing his own thing. He pulls out, you know, uh, sandwich bread, some meat, some mustard, takes the milk carton from Kevin, and he, Kevin's like, hey, Wayne's got new digs. He decided to turn the basement into his own personal apartments as he heads down there. Plops on, I'm guessing, is that couch a plop couch? It's a bed? And he flips on the TV. So there kind of goes their uh, hangout spot then, I guess. You know, that was like the rec room for like five seasons. And now it's Wayne's bedroom. 
So I think later this season, um, I did cover it in the Christmas episode, which I will be re-releasing the Thanksgiving episode and the Christmas episodes as kind of a, um, you know, farewell to the podcast. This podcast is going to be wrapping up in December. Um, we do see that Jack does turn Karen's old bedroom into an office for himself, but we'll get into that later because I'm sure that's going to come up in another episode. So Norma's pretty much, well, I guess it's just the three of us for dinner, because Wayne's already kind of got his sandwich stuff down there. He's doing his own thing, you know, he's pretty much, he's an adult. I'm sure they gotta be charging him some form of rent for that room, you know, for the basement. And can we get Wayne's take-home pay is 89 bucks a week. Which, in 1972, that probably wasn't too bad. That might even be... More than what Kevin takes home from the Chinese place. What do you think? Remember, Wayne's cranking up the music. You can hear it up coming up through the floor and through the door upstairs. Um, Kevin was like, well, I uh, it's going to be two, actually, because i got to head out, too. And Jack just kind of looks at Kevin like, and where do you think you're going? Like, I just go, what's going on here? He's kind of giving Kevin the third degree, and he's like, oh, what do you mean, out? Oh, where are you going? And Kevin's like, do I really have to answer that? Like, Dad, I got stuff. Things. Just things, Dad, I'm doing. Can I have the keys, please? And, but then again, I mean, it is Kevin's car, so does Jack have the right to just take his keys, like, oh, and give him the third, well, the third degree. I mean, yeah, Kevin is still, he's 16, he's living under their house and everything, or under their roof, their rules. So, Jack relents, gives him the keys, and as Kevin walks out the door, Jack mentions, 11 p.m. curfew tonight. Kevin turns around and is like, oh yeah, thanks, Dad. Come on, guy, you're 16! You do not need to be staying out till midnight. You really, really don't. There's no reason for it. You know what happens after midnight? Trouble. Trouble. Kids get into trouble if they stay out over past midnight. Come on now. It's no different. 1972 is no different than 2018. I was a teenager once with a license. Bad shit happens after midnight. 2 a.m., kids are out. You want to know what they're doing? They're not. Getting into trouble, guys. That's why curfews are installed. And to keep, teach kids responsibility. Okay, well, here's the stuff that Kevin was really wanting to do. He's, he and Winnie are getting their mech on in the car at the point, the lookout, the makeout spot, Central USA. They're getting it on. Not sexy times. They're just making out. I'm going to play this clip. Also known as the point. The final battlefield in the war between the sexes. Not that I had those kind of problems. I had Winnie. Wait. I love this song. Hand it to 
Winnie. When it came to safe sex, she was ahead of her time. She came to arm with every device known to modern woman, including... Of course, in retrospect, I really admire her restraint. In retrospect. Look, Winnie, are we really going to keep doing this? Well, you know, starting, stopping. Mostly stopping. Don't you think it's time we went a little further? What exactly do you mean, further? Well, you know, I, we... That was the great thing about the girl. Did you know your car smells like Park Lomain? Her sense of smell. Yeah. <laughs> and there you had it. I was living in a world where go meant stop, where yes meant no. Well, out there, in the real world... Only Winnie, guys, only Winnie would stop mid-kiss and say, I love this song, and turn it up. It's that Cherish song. <laughs> and Kevin, of course, is a little unnerved. You know, he's he's a teenager. You know, he's hot and bothered and everything like that. And then she mentions, like, here, I have something. And Kevin mentions, like, safe, safe sex and Winnie having every, every device known to man and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, we know they don't have sex yet because that is in the series finale. They do, in fact, lose their virginity in that barn during that thunderstorm. So she pulls out gum. <laughs> Winnie also is like, hey, do you think you can crack the window open a little bit? Because the car, you know, of course, it smells like pork lo mein like do you know that your car smells like pork lo mein it's like uh yeah yeah i do you do you remember i i deliver this this stuff all the time like two days a week of course it's gonna smell like that just deal with it because it's not the first time she's been in his car just i don't know have him buy an air freshener winnie i i don't know so the way that kevin's kind of like i said like he's describing like Safe sex, when it came to that, Winnie was, came with every device known to me. You'd think the way that he's looking at her, like, oh, she's going to pull out a condom. No, she pulls out a, a, a stick of gum. It's like, here, take this. Your breath smells kind of off. That's got to be one of the things when you're kissing somebody, if their breath is just not great, that will instantly kill the mood. Instantly. I mean, I'm sure if you, you are really into it that you'll just kind of put that out of the mind but it's like no mm. it's double mint gum i recognize the package because my cousins and i would always like line up to get a stick of double mint gum from my grandpa so kevin being hot and bothered he's looks at her like hey winnie are we really gonna keep doing this he's obviously annoyed and she kind of looks at him confused like doing what He's like starting, stopping, and then in his mind he's thinking mostly stopping. Yeah, because every time they get close, she's like, oh, here, let me get this. Oh, here, let me turn the radio up. Oh, can you open the window a crack? It's like the minute they start back up again, she's stopping to do this or that. And I can, I mean, probably from a guy's point of view, yeah, he is probably, he's getting, you know, his engine revved and, and he's just, it's, 
Oh, and here we get it. Yeah, of course. Crack the windows way open. You are not going to get enough oxygen, Kev. The fact that he's like, don't you think we should take things a little further? No. Leave. Get out of there. Guys, you do not need to be having sex right now. you got too many other things going on in your life. The last thing you need is a little baby Kevin or a baby Winnie right now. Not to mention, I don't think she's got any condoms in that purse of hers, so... No, your sexy time is out, bud. I mean, I get it. Yes, Kevin is a 16-year-old boy. 16-year-old boys, that's how they operate. They like to think about the sexy time. How to get it, when to get it, blah, blah, blah. And Winnie's kind of looking at Kevin like, what do, you, what do you mean go further? And it's almost like, do I have to draw you a diagram? He, the look on his face is kind of like... <sighs> and he's like... I, you, we, as in, yes, being sexually intimate. Two bodies coming together as one. She's just like, Kevin, do you know that your car smells like pork lo mein? Well, that's a mood killer. <laughs> you may as well just drive around and do something else. She is not going to give it up to you tonight, bud. Not happening. May as well just go home and rub one out or whatever they say. Um, now we get to Norcom and we see Wayne pushing a cart that's loaded to the top with the mail. Like boxes of mail and stuff like that. So Wayne's pushing the cart and we hear, hey Wayne! And we look over, it's Wart! Ah, he's back from Vietnam! Oh, he's all smiles! It's a facade, guys. He is hiding a broken, broken man. A damaged, damaged child underneath. I'm going to play this clip. behind the fence because Norcom is like a fenced-in area, but I guess being that he's, you know, a decorated soldier that it's it's cool. They can let him in there. They, he doesn't need to have a badge or anything or say visitor, but um, Wayne is definitely happy. He's surprised. And um, at the Arnold house in the living room, Jack and Norma are just kind of saying like, oh, wow, it's nice to see you again. And Kevin kind of lets us know that Wart did finish, David Wartchafter, he finished his tour of Vietnam. 
I guess, was it a, like a year, year and a half, a couple years? I like how, you know, um, Norma you know, calls him David because his name is David. And Norma's kind of looking at his medals and just like, oh, were you wounded? I wonder if that's why he came back. Like, his tour ended early or something. Um, and, he, and he just kind of shrugs it off like, oh, no, it was no big deal. And even though he's got a grin on his face, you can tell he there is a nervousness about him. I don't, maybe he's just not used to having, like, that attention on him or something. And, of course, um, you hear Wayne in the kitchen, like, getting, like, a couple uh, sodas, you know, popping the tops off. Like, saying, like, oh, Mom, don't worry about it. He's fine. It's not a big deal. See, Wayne is, he's kind of protective of Ward. And this is the thing that I kind of have issue with. The thing that Jack asks Ward, so, was it bad? Jack, you've been over there, um, I mean, I'm, I know, I'm sure Korea was much, it was a different time and everything like that, different protocols, maybe they could openly talk about it, whereas Vietnam, I don't know, maybe it's not something you, he feels comfortable with, that maybe, you know, Jack's used to a time when you could talk openly about, like, how it was over there, but of course... When he asked David, you know, Wart, like, was it bad over there? And, you know, because, you know, Brian Cooper was killed in Vietnam, um, like, a few years ago. And Wart, of course, kind of dodges the question, like, oh, you, you know, like, he doesn't want to talk about it. And I don't think, even now, you don't ask them what it was like over there. You do not do that. Unless they want to openly share with you, do not ask. Because, for all you know, you could be opening a wound or something in their mind. They could snap. Just, just don't do that. So, War kind of focuses on Kevin. Like, oh, wow, man, you haven't changed a bit. And Kevin's like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, I got my license on the first try. So, and Kevin's kind of in awe of War. I mean, here, War was a goofy kid being sent to Vietnam, and now he's coming back a hero. And it's kind of hero worship a little bit. Like, wow, this guy was there. He'd done things. You know, while I'm just, you know, meandering my way through my junior year of high school, this guy's out like, doing stuff, you know, coming back a hero, fighting for our country, for our freedom and everything. So Jack kind of concludes, like, oh, well, we're all very proud of you, son. We're very proud. And Wayne comes in with the drinks, like, hey, as he hands it to Wart, like, hey, um, I got uh, my bed. It's this really cool bed, and, and my digs downstairs in the basement are sweet. Do you want to see it? And he's like, oh, yeah, sure. So they head downstairs. And now we get to school, we see, I don't know whether, I think they got a different kid dressed up as the night mascot now. Oh, I guess this is the same kid, because Kevin's like, oh, what happened? And Jeff's like, oh, well, they gave the mascot back. What did they do with him? How long did they keep him? Did, did they tie him up in a room or something like that? And, and I mean, so I'm going to play this clip here as they're kind of discussing, um... The mascot. Oh, they kept the armor. Oh, that metal stuff. Because he's kind of walking around in what looks like a, um, one of those furry gray costumes. Like, whatever's, like, a, like, suit type thing that's, like, was supposedly under the armor that he wore. 
Will's not having it. He is not happy. He feels they need to retaliate. You know, as student body, as class president, he's got to keep an eye on stuff and just, this is wrong. We should take something of theirs to retaliate. Well, Paul is a little different now. <laughs> Old Paul, I don't know. Would he have done that? What did he have said? Let's take their mascot? Burning his stripes. in a huff saying we should do something and Jeff and Kevin are kind of talking about it and Kevin kind of lets it slip like oh yeah we should like steal their owl or something like that and and that gets uh, Jeff's motor go you know his his wheels are turning like hmm hmm no we don't even know where to keep this owl and Ricky who's <laughs> just a couple lockers down he just appears out of nowhere it's like oh I know where they keep it I got a friend that goes to Central so the boys plan a breakout. They're going to steal that owl. This poor owl, guys, he goes through a lot of stuff. That night, thanks to fate and Ricky Olsenbach. Guys, is that you? I saw my chance to go to war. Put this in the back. Holy cow. Sure, maybe it was crazy. Forget it, I'll do it myself. But in some way... Was absolutely necessary. What's going on out there? What's going on out there? What the heck is that? Get out of here, man. Hear me? Come on, let's go. Cat, let's <laughs> get out of here. It was heady. It was wild. It was. So Kevin, Ricky, and Jeff all go take the owl, and Ricky's like, oh my gosh, hey Kev, is that you? Because it's dark out, he can't really see it. We got Jeff and Kevin lugging this heavy wire cage that's about maybe two and a half to three feet tall with the owl inside. And they're all kind of looking at the owl like, oh wow, this is it. And here, let me, um, let me get it in the back. You're going to put it where? In the back seat? You're not putting that in the trunk. It will die. While they're debating this, they, that's, Central's got an, a security guard. I guess they got money they can afford to have one. As this guy, lumbering guy, with a flashlight comes out. We don't even see him. He's in shadow. He's like, what are you doing? Put that cage down. And the kid's like, oh, forget it. Leave the cage here. Let's get the hell out of here. And Kevin, the whole time, it's like the flashlight beam is on his face. And he's just standing there, and he just drops the cage, and it falls on its side. Guys, that is a living creature that you just dropped. That poor, poor bird. Oh, my gosh. That poor bird, guys. So Kevin gets in the car, and they peel out of there. Of course, with Kevin's 
writing Chong's Chinese on the side of his vehicle makes him an easy target. So I'm sure that that guard with the flashlight caught that. So this is going to be like the hangout spot. Remember in season four when Winnie, Kev, and uh, Paul, they all hung out at the pizza spot? Well, season six is the diner is where the boy, the guys hang out and they kind of deliberate their plans and what they're going to do. So Kevin, of course, is blaming himself like, damn it, it blew it. We were there. We had the owl. I chickened out. Oh, man, I feel so stupid. Kevin, yeah, exactly. I really hope they weren't going to put that owl's cage in the tr- with the owl in the trunk. That would not have been good. I mean, would you put your dog, would you put Buster in a trunk? The owl is a living, breathing animal. So Kevin turns to Jeff like, aren't you going to say anything? Like, yeah, dude, you blew it. Yeah, you said that multiple times. What do you want me to say? Hey, let's try it again. This time, don't drop the cage in a huff. No, that guard's going to be watching that owl like a hawk. <laughs> and making sure that no, that, that owl's going to be under lock and key. Why do they have an owl as a mascot? I know they're the owls, but that would not work. Although, they're probably, I bet there are mascots that are actual animals. There probably are, so never mind. So while Kevin's here complaining about blowing it and not capturing the bird, um, of course, Jeff's advice is, oh, you got ketchup on your shirt. <laughs> Wayne comes up to Kevin like, oh, I heard you blew it last night with the owl. Yeah, word gets around. Yep. Of course, Kevin's probably looking at him like, how do you know? It's like, well, the security guard saw... A car that had Chong's Chinese written on the side of it. Way to go, Kev. Crow was chowing down on French fries. I was eating crow. I don't believe it. How could I blow it like that? I mean, we were there. We had it. And then, I mean, I blew it. Right? Fact. The great owl heist had been a bust. Hey, aren't you going to say anything? You got some ketchup on your shirt. Hey. Shows over. 
Bye bye now. Have fun. Don't forget your homework. Don't stay up too late. Tell your sister I say hi. <laughs> You know, I was thinking, maybe I'd change out of my clothes. Get into my civvies, right? Yeah, alright. And I'll pick you up tonight. We'll go to the game. There's a game? Yeah, it'll be fun. We'll go for it. Alright, sure. <laughs> Let me try this on. And of course, it was only fair. After all, in life, some guys get the glory. Hey, Kev, I bet you guys blew a big time last night. <laughs> While some guys end up with nothing but kicking the pants. Oh, uh, Wayne says that the security guy noticed with his flashlight that there's a vehicle that had a dragon on the side of it. So, uh, Wayne's just kind of razzing him, like, way to go, 007. Like, yeah. So, Wayne heads back over to the table where, um, Wart is kind of sitting with, like, four other guys are just listening to... Uh, Wart talk about the places that he'd kind of been. He spent a little, his R&R in, um, he did his R&R in Hong Kong. Well, that's gotta be cool. And I guess he's been, uh, some other places and stuff like that, so. Of course, this one kid that's sitting in the booth right next to theirs, he looks like the studious type with the glasses and everything. He just looks at Wart and he's like, did you ever kill anyone over there? And the look on Ward's face, for a second he was happy, but his smile is completely gone. And he just kind of almost like, no, no, nothing like that. No, he, he probably did, but it's like, dude, why are you bringing this shit up? You can't ask that. These kids, I know they're, they think they can just ask whatever the hell they want. And, and Wayne kind of tries to rescue Ward with like, no, no, nothing like that, you know. And he's like you know, talking about, you know, tell them about other things and this and that, and we kind of don't really hear it because they kind of, you know, pull the camera back and they focus back on Kevin and everything. And Wayne finally dismisses all the guys, like, all right, show's over, get out of here. And he, Wayne turns around and sits in the seat opposite um, Wart and says, hey... There's a football game tonight, and I think, yeah, that guy's comment did really jar Ward a bit. And he's kind of like, hey, maybe I should change out of my uniform and everything, get into my regular clothes. And that's when, you know, Wayne's like, hey, let's go rag on a football game tonight. It'll be great. Um, I really don't know if a football game is the thing that you're wanna, going to want to go to. After having been through all that stuff, it's going to be loud. There's going to be a lot of noise. Things going off could set off. You know, he probably has PTSD. More than likely, he definitely probably got PTSD. So being in a loud, crowded area with a lot of noise like that going off, that's going to be setting off the noises and everything like that. That is not going to be good for you, guy. That is not going to be good for you, Wart. So, <laughs> Kevin's kind of looking back over at Wharton, uh, Wayne, and Paul passes Kevin, pats him on the back like, oh, way to go with the whole, uh, stealing the owl or something mishap. And I'm thinking, where were you, Paul? Where were you during this whole time? 
You're the whole one that wanted to retaliate because uh, those guys took your night mascot. So it's the night of the, the big football game, and Paul, of course, is like, you're late when Kevin and Winnie are coming up the risers. And Winnie's like, well, we had to kind of park far away. And they're like, and Paul's like, well, where did you park? And she's like, uh, baseball field? <laughs> like, probably miles and miles away. Winnie, are you that embarrassed of the dang car? Everyone knows Kevin drives that car. Everyone knows you're and Ke you and Kevin are dating. It's not a big secret. Come on, girl. Get over it already. Hey, guys. for him and Winnie or him and Winnie and Paul and as he's heading down the bleachers to the concession stand he kind of sees you know Wart kind of hanging back by himself probably a little nervous you know it's crowded there's a lot of people like I said a lot of noise so he's just probably you know he's trying to reintroduce himself back into civilian life and I can't say that it's going to be easy for him so, Wart's just kind of mentioning how, you know, a lot of people, it's really crowded, like, yeah. And Wayne, of course, kind of shoulder bumps Kevin out of the way, like, out of the way, scroat. And while uh, Kevin's calling um, Wayne a butthead, and, and Wayne's kind of pointing at him, saying it's Mr. Butthead to you, and uh, Wart's kind of, you know, laughing, <laughs> having a good time. Someone screams, murderer! I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you calling that boy a murderer? You stupid piece of crap. If I found out who that was, I would be punching them in the face. You don't say that to people. Well, that ruined Wart's good time. Great. Now he's like, because he's kind of looking around wondering, like, who said that? Like, what? Because he's like, what was that? And Wayne's like, Look, forget it, all right? It didn't mean anything. It was nothing. And, and Wayne's just kind of trying to pull Wart back in. Like, it's okay. It's okay. It's like, he's kind of like being Wart's protector here a little bit, which is, is good. Wayne, I really wish you hadn't left him alone like that by himself. But then again, there's really not a whole lot that Wayne can do to kind of protect Wart and what he's going through. But I am going to play this clip. <laughs> Uh, 
probably just, yeah, sure. Hey, listen, I'm gonna take a walk, okay? Okay, well, I'll go with you. Nah, it's okay. Um, I'm gonna go check out the old school. I'll be back. Really, save my seat. Yeah, okay, well, I'll see you there. What the heck? You had to figure where he'd been. The guy could take care of himself. Besides, no sense letting a few rotten apples spoil the whole night. <laughs> hey, Arnold. Catch any owls lately? decides like to go you know go for a walk and check out the old school and Wayne of course like oh well I'll go with you and Ward's like no no you save us a couple seats I'll I'll, I'll just be a moment so he just he, he's got to walk it off he's just a mm, lot's going on upstairs right now a lot of stuff he's just trying to sort out and deal with um Kevin of course is getting a couple sodas and some guy is like oh Nice, something about an owl going, whatever. And, of course, Kevin's had enough. He throws down a couple, some change and says, two sodas and hold the wisecracks. Like, yeah, and, and even Kevin, you know, in his mind is like, yeah, he knows, like, he's kind of making a big deal out of it. So what? Kevin, other people are going through a lot worse shit right now. A lot more than you fucking up stealing an owl. So as Kevin... Looks to, I don't even think they have tops for those sodas, but they got to have straws for them. He hears some hooting coming from the buses that are right next to the um, con uh, condiment stand in the concession stand. So he's kind of thinking, I think I wanna, I'm going to try to redeem myself here, get in everyone's good graces. He decides to steal the owl from the bus. Why is there not somebody watching this owl, guarding this owl, just leaving it? They're unprotected on a bus. Fed up with football, stupid mascots. And that's when I heard it. It was almost too good to be true, as if I'd planned it, <laughs> even though I hadn't. We stood there, eye to eye. It was like he knew me. Here, boy. You come with me. <coughs> I had only one thought. I wasn't going to blow it this time. So, Kevin gets on the bus, he looks at the owl, almost like, hey, remember me? I'm sure that bird does remember you. Like, oh, you're that dumbass that dropped me in my cage. Yeah, if I were that owl, I'd be, like, starting to, like, like, making a big old, like, commotion. Because, of course, he's got to remember Kevin. Now we see Kevin running with his arm wrapped around his coat. He's got that <laughs> poor owl sm probably smothering him in his coat. Oh, my gosh. And Kevin's just so excited. Oh, look, look, because he sees Wart there sitting there on 
that bench. He's like, hey, look, I got the... And then it, it dawns on him. He's looking at Wart's clothes piled up. And that Wart is basically just in his boxers. And he's just, you know, he's sitting there. His head's bent. His fingers are, you know, steepled. And he's just... He's having a breakdown. He's breaking down and... I just, I don't know even where to begin with this because I've never known anyone to experience something like this. And Kevin himself does not know how to deal with this either. But luckily enough, Wayne comes along. So guys, I'm going to play this clip. And I'm going to play it all the way through. This is really heart-wrenching. I made it out to the baseball field in about two minutes flat. I did it. The thing is, I had no plan. No idea of what to do next. It didn't matter. All I knew was... I did it. I'd seen my chance. I'd taken the risk. I'd earned my stripes. saw it clearly. He was sitting on that bench on the third base line and his clothes were in a little pile on the ground. It's okay. It's okay. 
they say men are children. But sometimes, children are men. Maybe that's where the confusion lies. All I knew was, that night, the world seemed suddenly very big, and I felt very small. So I did what I could. Soldiers, heroes, their brothers, struggled to find their way home from war. And young boys watched and grew wiser in their dreams. So, you know, Kevin's all excited. He's got the owl and everything. He wants to show Wart, and he sees Wart just sitting there. So we see Kevin's car is parked. He's at the baseball field, and Wart's just kind of sitting on a bench. His clothes are piled on the ground in front of him. And like I said, he's kind of bent over. He's in his boxers. His fingers are steepled, and his head is bent. He can't, he can't even hear Kevin. And that's when Wayne comes up and he sees Wart and he's like, Wart, Wart. And he goes over to him and you see that Wart has been crying. His, his cheeks are glistening with, with tears. You see a tear just on the tip of his nose. He's just really, really upset. And he turns his head to look at Wayne and he is so hurt. And, and broken. I bet that comment, someone screaming killer or murderer, that did him in. And he looks at Wayne in a choked voice and he says, nothing seems to fit anymore. And he's not just talking, he's not talking about his clothes. He's talking about the person that he was. He went to war as a child and as a young man and came back a, a decorated soldier and now he's expected to just pick up his life from where he left it? He can't do that. Everything that he knew really prior to leaving, all that is gone now. He's got to learn how to, to, to be a person and be able to learn how to refunction in, in society again and just... He's not that teenager that he was. He's a man now. And, you know, Kevin's seeing this. And, you know, I, that had to have been hard for Wart to, to break down like that. And and Wayne doesn't say anything. Unbuttons his shirt, takes it off, wads it up in his hand, and gives it to Wart and says, here's mine, you can wear my shirt. And Wart just kind of 
there's a small hint of a smile and he takes it and then he stands and he grabs Wayne in a hug just just clutching him and and Wayne is just you know petting him on the back saying hey it's gonna be all right it's gonna be all right and guys I lost it I knew that I would I knew that I would break down when I saw that scene because it is so it's so heart-wrenching to see someone break down like that like you think that you should you have to like be so strong and and we're just gosh I feel for they probably he probably did have to kill people over there during the war and everything he he's just I, I honestly don't know. I don't know what it's like for them over there. I really, or even now today, and what people have to go through is terrible. I just, I'd like to hope that the VA might be able to help, to help work or something. But I mean, it's the seventies. I don't know. Um, I also would like to think that maybe Jack's been. He was in the war, even though it was the Korean War. He's seen what that does to people. I would like to hope that maybe, even though we don't see Wart again after this episode, that Jack could be a mentor for Wart to kind of help him deal with the struggles of readjusting into society again or, or something or lead him to where that he can get the help that he needs. So, Kevin decides to just release the owl from his coat, and the owl flies up, we go back to the football game, the team wins, it's all great, the owl is hanging out on the, um, what the fuck are they called? Goalposts! Um, and then we see... Um, Wayne and Kevin and Wart heading to Kevin's car and they're headed home and, you know, Kevin's narration about them sending children off to war and everything and I'm going to read the quote actually and the episode closes on Kevin sleeping warm in his bed not, not a care in the world just that, you know, he's safe and everything like that so here's the quote Narrator, they say men are children, but sometimes children are men. Maybe that's where the confusion lies. All I knew was that night the world suddenly seemed very big, and I felt very small. So I did what I could. 1972 was a crazy time. Kids played football, drove cars, went to school, celebrated life, while soldiers, heroes, their brothers struggled to find their way home from war, and young boys watched and grew wiser in their dreams. This, I have to say, if I could kind of rate, like, if I were to take the season openers one through six and rate them, the first one, of course, is going to be the best. The pilot season opener uh, series is always going to be the best. From there, we have Heart of Darkness, Summer Song, Growing Up, The Lake, and of course, The Homecoming. I'm going to definitely put The Homecoming at number two. 
And then I would say, I would say season four growing up, Dan Summer Song, and of course last is going to be Heart of Darkness. Because that was just okay. So that concludes uh, this episode. I, for the Wonder Years Flower Power episode rating, I am definitely going to rate this one. I'm going to rate it a 4 out of 5. I really, really liked it. Um, the only thing I didn't care for was the whole thing with the owl. Um, the things I did care for, I liked Winnie and Kevin together, you know, Wart coming home, Wayne kind of being the protector. We kind of got to see what was going on with Wayne and Paul. And, of course, the ending scene when Wayne takes his shirt off and hands it to Wart and says, you can wear my shirt. That broke me, guys. You heard me Oh, you heard my tears. They were very real. As far as for Wonderling Words of Wisdom for this episode, I am going to honestly say, when it comes to dealing, you know, talking with veterans, I, I haven't spoken to any veterans, but I know you are not supposed to ask them what it was like. Don't ask them, did you ever kill anybody? Or this or that. You're really, you're not, unless they, unless they divulge in it, that is entirely up to them. But don't go ahead and feel that you have the right to ask them that. Or ask them those personal questions. Be respectful. As far you know, they fought for us to have freedom. And, and their families and, and just for everything. They're risking their lives. They're putting their lives on the line every single day so that we can get up, we can go to school, we can go to work, we can be with our families. They put their families aside. You know, they don't get to see their families. They go years probably at a time without seeing their kids, their spouses, their moms, their dads, their siblings. I'm, I'm happy that, you know, in today's world, you have such things as you got internet and stuff like that. So, and you can call and stuff, but, you know, uh, lines of communication are a lot more broader than probably what they were, like, writing home and stuff like that was how they did it back in, in, back in the day and stuff. So, um, that being said... Let's talk about next week's episode. This is a this is a fun one. This is a nice breath of fresh air in a way. Um, after this hard hitting emotional roller coaster of an episode, season six, episode two, entitled "Fishing," which aired on September thirtieth, nineteen ninety two. The Arnold men embark on their triannual triannual. Three-day fishing trip. While on the trip, it quickly becomes evident that Kevin and Wayne have outgrown the whole camping experience. Let me just say, these boys need to grow up. I know, Kevin's 16, Wayne is, what, 18, 19. 
the shovey brother push you, knock you down, like punch you in the shoulder shit. Come on, guys. Especially Wayne. Knock the shit off. And I'm saying that because that brother shoving, punching, what have you, is going to come to a head. And it's going to cause a problem next episode. I'm not going to say why. If you've seen the episode, you know what happens. I don't think there's any trivia. Oh, there is trivia. But I'll get into that when uh, when I cover that episode next week. But I am actually going to talk about the 16 episodes that I have to cover for Season 6. We have Season 6, Episode 2, entitled Fishing. We see Season 6, Episode 3, Scenes from a Wedding, where we get the principal from The Breakfast Club playing Jack's boss. Um, Jack is going to his boss's daughter's wedding. There we learn something. Wayne is not a virgin. He had sex. Spoiler alert. He had sex with a bride prior to her getting married. At like a wedding reception or something like that. So Wayne is not a virgin. We have politics as usual where I guess Winnie is getting into um, political stuff in, in high school. And I think it's like she's supporting a candidate for... I don't think it's governor, but some type of thing. White Lies, the one where a rumor is started after Kevin and Winnie fall asleep together. He lets it slip that they spent the night together. His doofy friends think, oh, that means that he and Winnie actually had sex. They didn't. And, of course, that's going to create... They've been going strong for a few episodes. This is going to create a um, turmoil now in their relationship already. My gosh. And I think that kind of concludes through the majority of the the season. There's just there's that turmoil about that that just really puts them off on, on a bad foot there. Wayne and Bonnie, episode 7. We see single mother Bonnie who Wayne gets involved with. So Wayne is playing baby daddy to someone else's baby. The test, Kevin has to take the SATs and has to deal with the fact that someone, Winnie, possibly does better than he does. Alice in Autoland. I think that's the episode that deals with Kevin buying a car from Alice's father, who's a car dealer. Ladies and Gentlemen, The Rolling Stones deals with Kevin sneaking out his dad's new um, Cadillac or his new vehicle to take everyone to the Rolling Stones concert. Unpacking is the episode that focuses on Jeff. Kevin said in the, uh, this episode, you know, season six, episode one, that Jeff is new. He had to leave behind his life to you know, move with, you know, his mom or dad or whoever. And he also left behind a girlfriend. And Kevin and Winnie are constantly trying to set Jeff up with this one girl and have them go on a double date. And Jeff still hung up on his old girlfriend. You know, he left a life behind when he went to move with whichever parent he's living with. Hulk Arnold is the one where Kevin decides to try out for the wrestling team. Kevin is still trying to get his head into sports, trying to figure out where he fits in in the whole scheme of things. 
Maybe he's looking to see if he can be a good wrestler, if he can get a scholarship to college. I don't know. Knows. This one is a clunker of an episode. A girl that Ricky dates, Rissy ha- Ricky Hassenbeck, whatever, um... She's got a big nose, and all the guys are making fun of her and everything like that. It's a... It just... The shit you're saying is going to come back to you, basically. Eclipse. Um, Winnie and Kevin go on a school field trip to witness the eclipse. Poker. The episode where the guys are playing poker, Chuck's worried about the fact that he might have impregnated some girl... He knows how to do that. He He's not all that bright upstairs. The Little Women. This is the episode where the Arnold men and Norma and Winnie all go bowling together. Guys, a lot of these episodes I've never seen before. So I'm excited. We get to see more of Jack and Norma's personalities really start to come to light. And, of course, the last episode Season 6, episode 20 is Reunion, where Norma has to fly back to her, for her high school reunion. And her old high school boyfriend <coughs> takes her to it, and Jack, like, messes up his leg or his ankle or something, so he can't really accompany her. And we learn Norma's parents do not like Jack, like, at all. The fact that her old boyfriend comes to town to take her to this high school reunion, they're all like, oh, we always loved your old boyfriend, Norma. Oh, I wish you had married him instead of Jack. Like, ugh, ugh. But, that being said, guys, a lot of stuff to look forward to, and I did, I said that, um, this season is pretty much 16 episodes is gonna take me through to the end of the year. Also, um, I do plan to do Christmas on Division Street, that's a Christmas movie with Fred Savage. I'd like to try to do that Cradle of Conspiracy Danica McKellar TV movie as well. Um, But, okay, let's give a warm welcome to some new and regular listeners, Wonderling listeners of the podcast. We have Everett, Washington, Winnipeg, Canada, Lesbridge, Canada, Woodbridge, Virginia, Muskegon, Michigan, Yonkers, New York, D-P-E-R-E, D-P-R-E, Wisconsin, Pittsburgh, Kansas, Eugene, Oregon, Grand Falls, Canada, Sedgwick, Maine, Abu Dhabi, United Arab Emirates, Sacramento, California, Atlanta, Georgia, Oakville, Canada, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, Simi Valley, California, Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, Bakersfield, California, Grand Rapids, Michigan, Green Bay, Wisconsin, Monroe, Washington, Seattle, Washington, Key Biscayne, Florida, guys, I'm sorry if I mispronounced, San Luis Obispo, California, Karachi, Pakistan, Pune, India, Boharnuisi, I can't even pronounce this, Canada, India, Zephyrillus, Florida, my, okay, this, uh, Yangon, M-Y-A-N, M-A-R, Myanmar, Centerville, Maryland, Argentina, Birmingham, Michigan, Odessa, Texas, Wasilla, Arkansas, Naperville, Illinois, Brampton, Canada, Killeen, Texas, Ellington, 
United Kingdom, Grover, California. Oh, hold on, there's more. Boardman, Oregon, Sydney, Australia, Bexley, Australia, Abilene, Texas, Queenstown, Maryland, Sunnyvale, California, Yuma, Arizona, Columbia, Tennessee, and Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, these all were from August 24th until now. So thank you, thank you, all of you regular listeners, like I said, for going with me on this journey. You new listeners, thank you for uh, jumping on board. It's been a great time. Uh, I will be re-releasing holiday episodes coming up in uh, November and December. Look forward to that as we start to close the final chapter on the Book of the Wonder Years. Like I said, I'm going to miss this so much, guys. I love this show so, so much. But Okay, that's that. I'll see you next week with the Arnold clan, well, the Arnold men going fishing. That's going to be a fun, fun time had by all. And Kevin gets to be the party pooper for shitting on Jack's dream. Yeah. So more on that next week. Bye-bye, everybody.